0: Which of the race do you like the best? The next one. The next one's the best. I am told Tampa is the choice, and he will sign tomorrow. Don't discount the puck. I think it's time to put them in their place. I'm going to have to set them straight. You don't know me. You don't know where I'm from or what I had to do to get this play. Hey. I'm throwing everything quick tonight. We push it. And he throws. Pass. Caught. Oh, and he's got him! Touchdown! Way to go, baby! You seen that! Big play!
1: How do you think Buccaneer fans are feeling right now after that news from Tom Brady?
2: Hell yeah! It's like the best since the second that I came
1: here. Back to Brady it goes. Brady going for Edelman! He's got it!
0: Touchdown! Now look at me. I say now look at me. Christian! Yeah, the books have just released that video to celebrate the fact that Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. You're welcome to the second edition of The Snap this week. It's been a maelstrom of free agency madness uh, topped off, obviously, by the news that the greatest quarterback in the history of the game has left the New England Patriots and has uh, signed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about this a bit on Wednesday, but we've had a chance now, Keen Fahey, to uh, allow it to seep in. I really hope it works out for Tom Brady. I really hope it works out for the Buccaneers. I hope he has a good season. I hope he's not completely washed. That would be a great thing for to happen right?
1: Yeah I got my own little goggle box version here because I couldn't actually see the video but I could see your face reacting to the video and you were lighting up and raising your eyebrows and mouth opening a little bit and I think that's what all Buccaneers fans are, are like they've um but well based on my interactions on the internet a lot of them have convinced themselves that Jameis Winston was this great player or this great star they needed to bring back despite all of his mistakes and now Brady is there all of that just disappears because it's like Well, when Peyton Manning, I've compared him to Peyton Manning a couple of times. Obviously, Brady has been compared to Peyton Manning throughout his whole career. But the Peyton Manning free agency is the only recent one that can be compared to this Brady free agency. And at that time, I'm not sure it's something anyone really remembers anymore. The Broncos had just had Tim Tebow and they had just were trying to find a way of getting away from Tim Tebow because Tebow had inexplicably won a bunch of games and gone to the playoffs and they were looking at Tebow like, oh, we know what this guy is. But the fan base adores him. And the only way they could get out of that contract without being slated was by having Peyton Manning come along. And it's been a little bit similar for the Buccaneers, where the attitude or the atmosphere towards the franchise as a whole has completely changed with just one move. And it's not even that Brady is still a star quarterback or how great he can be or how great he is. It's just that who he is, that aura, that video, that hype video, obviously it's a hype video, but obviously he's the easiest player in the league to create a hype video on because everyone absolutely adores him in the football circles.
0: It is possible too that through guile and intelligence he will win a load of games next year. They, they're going to protect the ball in a way that they haven't done at any point during the Jameis experiment. And so that in itself, you would think, will move the team forward.
1: Yeah, well, they, they've they been a team. He, he's joining the team at the right point in their development curve, I think. So you've got guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin who are in their primes. You've got a lot of talent on the offense, and you've got a defense that's been getting better. It's still not great, but it's been getting better. And you say the turnovers and mistakes, that's really the big change. So in the charting I do, Brady and, and Jameis actually came out exactly the same in terms of accuracy. 54.4% when adjusted for depth. So Jameis was great in intermediate. Brady was terrible in intermediate. They were similar in uh, deep throws, but Brady was so much better on shorter throws. So that, combined with his actual decision making and his ability to avoid crazy interceptions, his ability to get into better run looks against different fronts, of def- the fronts the defense gives you, like all the stuff Tony Romo does from the boot, Brady's going to do on the actual field and to maximize the offense around him. So from that point of view, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of a difference between him and Jameis. And the Bucks were on the precipice of the playoffs last year. They, were, they weren't they were a bad team. They weren't a particularly great team. But one of their biggest issues was Jameis making mistakes at crucial times. And if you just take those mistakes away, obviously lots of things change from year to year, so you can't just do that. But I feel like they're, the team is in a good situation. And then you have to look at the division. The Panthers look like they're going to rebuild a little bit. I think we're going to talk about them, but it's not going to be a, an all-out tank, like... Uh, like the, like, the, like the Dolphins have tried to do or the Dolphins are supposed to I guess and the Bengals are probably the better answer there but it's uh, the Falcons don't look like they're going in a great direction the Saints are relying on Drew Brees who for the last three years now has capitulated at the end of the year like Brady you can talk about his age but the two best quarterbacks in that division are both really old and Brady has aged better than any other quarterback so Buccaneers fans should feel really good and the Buccaneers franchise should spend a lot of money right now even though the Blazers tend to not want to do that.
0: Ronan, what do you think of the Buccaneers and uh, are you excited for them? Did that hype video get you going, yeah, come on, I'm going to get behind the box. Yeah, Bucs I here. wonder if
2: anyone, can, if anyone can dig out Michael Jordan's Washington Wizards video from the early 2000s, I'm sure it was something similar and that didn't go all that well, but I wonder how Man United fans are feeling that uh, the Blazers are spending their sweet, sweet Romelu Lukaku money on uh, Tom Brady.
0: Well, oh i think the Man United fans are feeling a bit happy about how everything was going. This is this is the sign that they're, they're maybe going to try and wrestle back for the final few weeks of his career. Somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, the Man United fans are seeing all the wins in this one. Um, I do want to ask about what's going to happen at quarterback for, we're going to do winners and losers here, by the way, if anybody wants to uh, get involved in that conversation, you can uh, tweet us here on Snap uh, for your winners and losers of this week of madness of free agency, which I think we've all been happy for the distraction of the fact that uh, every two minutes somebody else... Signing a Whopper New Deal or getting fired, as uh, Todd Gurley put it. Um, Was it hashtag coronavirus and chill? Was that it? It was uh, quarantine and chill, was his hashtag. Uh, Got fired on my day off, damn, hashtag quarantine and chill. Uh, We'll talk about Todd Gurley in a minute because he's gone to the uh, Falcons this morning. But who's going to start a quarterback for the Patriots? What is that scenario? What is that situation here, (laughs) Keen?
1: Good question. Who knows? Um, Like, Jared Sidham is the next in line. Basically, he's just a guy on the roster. He played one game last year, I believe. He came in against the Jets when it was a blowout, threw an interception immediately, and was taken straight back out in a game that was already secured. So that shows you how much faith they had in him. Brian Hoyer is there on the roster. Like, no one is buying that at this stage. Brian Hoyer has been around the league. Kyle Shanahan had him before he went to Jimmy Garoppolo. Actually, there was a quarterback in between there as well, CJ Beathard. So he's been bounced around. He's been gotten rid of. Everyone knows he's going to fail, and as good as Belichick is, that's not an option for him. There's not like a specific skill set there he can build around and make an offense function around there. The free agents options, well, like, Jameis is the only one there, I think, as a free agent at the moment. And trade options is where it gets interesting. So Andy Dalton is a popular suggestion. Andy Dalton was awful last year, and he had one of his worst games of the season against the Patriots. So I can't see Belichick buying into a guy who threw four interceptions and missed throw after throw after throw. The most interesting one, the most, I guess, the best one left is uh, Jacoby Brissett because... The Colts have entertained trade offers for Brissett for the length of his career when he's behind Andrew Luck and then when he became a starter. But they've always wanted a high price. They actually traded for him from the Patriots. Now, with Philip Rivers coming in, there's a reason to get rid of Brissett. So suddenly his value is probably going to drop and a lot of other teams have signed their quarterback. So there's not going to be a big market for him. But The Colts can keep him, but it doesn't really make sense to keep Brissett because he's not going to be happy as a backup at this, st- this stage either belichick has worked in previously belichick got some good uh, production out of him they are comfortable with his skill set as far as i know and he is actually a much better player than most people realize because he played with a terrible sporting cast in indianapolis the final option is the draft and you're looking at probably jordan love because he's the only one who's going to be anywhere close to their range where they're picking i actually quite like jordan love but i also think he's a guy who makes a lot of mistakes and has to be developed in consistency and i just don't think belichick's going to do that
0: there was a lot of talk in the immediate aftermath of the draft two years ago that they tried everything they could to get up to get Baker Mayfield. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, right? We'll never know, because these stories always come out afterwards. But apparently, Belichick had a bit of a hard-on for, um, uh, for that trade. So it's not beyond the possibility that they would actually trade up and get one of these quarterbacks if they thought that there was somebody. They're not going to get Joe Burrow because they're not going to get the first pick. But could he send a boatload of picks to get a, somebody at second or third? Trade with um, the Lions, perhaps, who have the third pick here?
1: There's just no one there. It's like it's Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert, I well, I can't use that in this show. Justin Herbert is, uh, is, is just a big arm, a guy who doesn't really have any selling points except that he has a big arm. He's, he's Zach Mettenberger, I guess, a Brett Hundley type of quarterback. The, kind of, if you want to talk in kind of an abstract sense and a, a, diff, a different way of looking at it, the one thing they could very possibly do, and it wouldn't put me past Belichick to do this, and you'll notice he hasn't signed any free agents, even though they don't have much money, so that might be a big issue there. He good tank career. Trevor Lawrence is coming out next year. Like, Would Belichick take a year off, look at the long term and go, hey, we don't need to win now. We'll, I'll, I'll come back in a year In a year, and have the, one of the best teams in the league with a quarterback who's going to be better than everyone for another 15 years. So that's the only other option I can feel. I don't think there's a great option for him right now. Uh,
0: the Patriots tanking would be amazing to watch and him just like laughing every week as he found new and extravagant ways to lose games. No, it would, be, but it would be brilliant to watch and it would be the evil genius like, yeah, I have an evil genius. What, what are you going to do about it? You haven't been able to stop me. You've stolen my picks. You've taken my quarterback. This is why he is my winner of the week, right? I'm, I'm, I'm skipping forward here. We're, going to, we're not supposed to be doing winners and losers just yet. This is exactly what Bill Belichick wanted. He wanted the opportunity to win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, and he's going to get it over the next couple of years. There's no, there is no chance that Bill Belichick is retiring from that gig for at least another five to ten years, I would say. He is absolutely addicted to football, and he is 100% sticking it out. And he will stick it out until he has won multiple Super Bowls. That's my prediction here, is that he's not going to try and win one without Tom Brady. He's going to have to win two to go, look, you know, one, the team was great, blah, blah, blah. No, I won two, and I did it without Tom Brady. And so you all know that it was me and not Tom Brady who won those six rings. Because that's what we're seeing right here over the next while is the biggest egos of the two geniuses who've delivered this. And it's going to be brilliant.
1: And Belichick also does not care about anything anyone else thinks from the outside. He was the guy who went for it in 4 2 10 years before anyone was going for it in 4 down because they were playing Peyton Manning and the Colts. And he looked at the Peyton or he looked at the Indianapolis offense and said, Hey, our best bet here is to win on offense, not win on defense. That's the best route to winning. So if they have the tank for a year, Belichick would not give a damn about all the things that get said about him, all the criticisms he gets. So he'd happily do that to, to win long term. So I, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be fascinating to see what they wind up with come August.
0: Yeah, I'm so. Not sure.
2: I, I do think like he cares a little bit more about what the media thinks than he lets on because, you know, when the Football Life series started, it launched with a two parter with Bill Belichick, where he showed you all the nooks and crannies of his day to day. And he did that 100 NFL players series this year. So I think he he likes to put out a persona, and he knows the 24-hour news cycle. If Brady gets off to a 4 0 start with Tampa Bay, and the Patriots go 0-4, people are going to be banging that drum that you guys are talking about—that oh, it was all Brady, it was Brady all along. And even a year of that I think would great with Belichick. Jerry, I wonder if him um, if he went to San Francisco and said, "Give us that second-round pick back, and uh, we'll take Jimmy Garoppolo." What would you say to that? Would the 49ers fans give Garoppolo back?
0: Uh, I don't think I don't think so. I think um. I think they're going to stick it out with him now because nothing has happened. But I do, I do think all of this was in play at one stage or other. That um, it took it took the Forty ers ages to tell Chris Sims, who's obviously a buddy of Kyle Shanahan's from college, that they weren't they were out they were out on a groomsman. Yeah. Well, they've got they've got each other's tattoo name initials tattooed on uh, each other. Um, I'm sure, it's fine. I'm sure, it's fine. Um, uh, but I, 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 like they were definitely in for a little while. They kicked the tires on Tom Brady and see see exactly how he would fit with, exa- with what they're trying to do. But a second round pick at this stage, I don't I, like. If you're saying that Bill Belichick rings you up and goes, oh, say "The quarterback's not very good. I'll give you back a second round pick," I'm like no. I mean, look, if you if you want this guy, you're gonna have to pay for him. It's the price is. The price is the same price that the LA Rams are paying for their uh, cornerbacks. Give me two yeah, first I'm rounds sure. there, Bill. Two first round. That's, the, sure, That's right. the
2: whole thing about the situation where, like, this obviously isn't the first great quarterback uh, saga. Like, but in all other instances that you can think of, most were shunted out the door because there was an error pound right there, and Grappler was that guy. But when Montana left, Steve Young was there. When Rogers overtook Favre, like even Andrew Luck was sort of fell into the Colts lap because of Peyton Manning's injury. This one, it's as if for the first time in his career, Belichick's a little bit at a loose end, and but I think he's going to relish this chance to basically win via system rather than via talent and as Keane alluded to they haven't done anything in free agency they took the Antonio Brown cap hit for for almost nothing really so they're in a difficult position for such a strategic franchise to find themselves with cap difficulty is a real is a real first yeah I think-
1: let's all let's all look at the wild card here Bill O'Brien is going to give him to Sean Watson for Julian Edelman or something ridiculous Bill O'Brien's buddies a Bill Belichick He's already made awful decisions, so we can all expect it and we can all see it coming.
0: Yeah, so we're
2: not going we're, we're to... Patriots are 35-1 30, to, to win the Super Bowl when I checked earlier in the week, so that's, uh, that's the state of play at the moment.
0: I mean, that's not a bad each-way bet, you know? You'd, uh, you're going to have interest late in the season. I don't think they're going to tank, by the way. I think that... Um they're going to try and do something. I don't think. Um, I think your point about it. If uh, if they go zero and four and Brady starts well, that that one year would piss him off to the point where he'll he'll get goaded into doing something. So I actually think that over the summer it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. And obviously there'll be no practice in any NFL facilities for the next couple of months. So um, maybe that makes it all the more difficult. And who knows? A lot lot to play into and a lot to to think about. Let's talk about the news that has happened um, since we were last on air. Todd Gurley, as I said, fired sitting on his couch and uh, picked up immediately by the Atlanta Falcons. This is a a homecoming for him. He is in Atlanta. um, uh, uh, He's from Atlanta. And so this kind of made sense. Atlanta got rid of um, Freeman during the week and they needed somebody... At running back, their running back core was pretty shocking. So, Keen, is he completely washed? Because at the end of last season, he was still running in touchdowns. He wasn't like the best player in football, a level that he was for that one season with the Rams when McVeigh gave him an offensive line. But he wasn't like an invalid either.
1: Yeah, so Gurley has gone home to the Atlanta Falcons. He played college football at Georgia, so he's beloved there. So, he's a fan favorite from the get go. It's only a one year deal. But he'll be delighted there and the fans will be delighted to have him there just because there's a there's an established love between the, the player and the fan base. The story of Todd Gurley also has to go back to Georgia and has to go back to Atlanta because his injury isn't something that's very easily explained. It's an ACL tear in college that developed arthritis in the meniscus and in the cartilage, which is worn down. And the Rams have denied this for over a year, but their usage of him has reflected that. And they're releasing him now is reflected that because in terms of skill set, in terms of talent, on any given snap, he can still do anything you want him to do. He is still a superstar talent, but he can't carry the ball twenty times a game. He can't play sixteen games a year at a high level. This is an injury, and I personally have a lot of experience with It's an injury that I, I have myself that I had that led me to not be able to walk for a couple of years, and that led me to have to get a meniscus transplant and get a cartilage transplant, which is this massive surgery. It, it just took which knocked me out for a year, basically, of uh, rehab. Now, Todd Gurley and me are two very different situations, but Todd Gurley has this in front of him because currently does not uh, come back. It's wearing away. It's wearing away constantly. So his career does not have much time left in it. And my big concern with Todd Gurley is very little about the football player because I'm very concerned he's going to wind up not being able to walk for a while and having to have his knees replaced very early in his life or have transplants very early in his life. This is such a serious injury, and it's such an awful injury, but it's an injury that gets brushed aside because it's not an ACL. Everyone cares about the ACL. Everyone cares about if you dislocate your hip, if you dislocate your knee. If you say cartilage to someone, they say, oh, shave it, and we'll be back in six weeks. And that's just not the reality of it. Of this. And with Todd Gurley, he's the high-profile name. He's the face of the Rams. And a lot of people, there's a weird thing in football right now where people are celebrating running backs demising early because it proves a point about the value of the position or something. This has nothing to do with Todd Gurley playing running back. This is a condition in his knee that comes from an ACL care that anyone can get. But the, the the wider landscape of the NFL now, we have a tendency to brush aside cartilage problems, meniscus problems, and say, oh, that's fine. we be back in a month. And we need to have a, a, a different look at these. These aren't—they don't take nine months, so it doesn't knock you out for a full season. But over the length of your career, it's in the same way getting hit in the head over the length of your career is a bigger issue long term. This is a bigger issue long term because the pain and the problems that come from these injuries are devastating.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, uh, look, long-term, it's a pretty horrific situation for him to be in. You, you know, the Falcons know this. That's why they've signed him on a one-year deal. H- how long of an NFL career can he realistically expect to have given the, the sequence of injuries he's had? Is it, is it one year? Is it two years?
1: I think it'll be year-to-year, one-year deals. Like At the end of the day, he's at a position that doesn't last very long anyway. Yeah. Most are only three years. And Gurley himself was exceptionally talented. If he's not playing more than... 30%, 40% of the snaps, he's not really going to be used often enough. Like he's not going to have value. All
0: right. Um, I was, think like 29, 2019
2: is just his fifth pro season, only 25 years of age, and people are talking about him as if it ha- has been, but it just shows the grueling nature of that position, and there's a lot of talk about dominoes in the NFL where when one thing happens, it has a knock-on effect. We've seen it with the cornerback market, we might get to that later, but the running backs, like with people coming up for contracts like Alvin Kamara and even Christian McCaffrey is probably a slightly different case, but like they're going to be their teams are going to be able to point at this situation and say, Well, we're not going to pay you full whack because look what happened to Todd Gurley, who was the best offensive player in the league in very recent memory. So I think it could have an impact going forward.
0: Let's talk about some of the other quarterback news that's coming through. Teddy Bridgewater has joined the Carolina Panthers, that means Cam Newton's on his way out. as an Instagram beef between cam and uh the panthers um what's happening here Kim did the panthers just feel that again this is an athlete who is no longer capable of using his body the way that he was that made him a superstar in the first place
1: uh that cam instagram post is just hilarious imagine someone like giving out to you using that font shouting at you trying to complain and you're the social media manager the panthers no idea what to do because he's such a big name um Cam is a similar situation. His shoulder has been shot for a while, I believe. His ankle has had issues. He has not been able to properly throw the ball for about three years. In terms of skill set, physical talent, in terms of ability playing quarterback, he's one of the best in the league. But you're not going to be able to get him on the field often enough or you're not going to be able to trust that he's going to be available over the course of a full season to to trade for him. And that's why no one will take his contract. The the Panthers are going to have to release him. And that Teddy Bridgewater deal is incredible because – Teddy Bridgewater for basically two years, forty million is below market value. He's a young player who's a, had his own injury issues. Obviously, he's uh, someone they can rebuild around, or he's someone they can use and then move on to someone else. He, that's a great deal, and Cam is unfortunately at the point of his career where he's going to have to be a backup, prove himself, and then earn a job. Maybe.
0: Like, it's a good chance he will earn a job, though. If, if I mean, it depends on the shoulder, right? But if the shoulder comes back, he surely there's a possibility that it does come back and that he's got another three or four years of still being Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, he made a lot of sense for a team that needs a quarterback that already has someone in severe plays, so that's the Chicago Bears, in other words, because he's a high-ceiling, high-upside player. Like Nick Foles, you're not going to get anything from high-ceiling. I know he's won a Super Bowl, but that was a dominant team. So you can't uh, kick Cam Newton and throw him into a team that's already established looking to compete. The one that might make sense is the Saints. If he goes to, obviously, that's a contentious one because it's Panthers Saints. But if he goes to the Saints and, and sits behind Drew Brees for a minute, gets to be used, because Sean Payton will find ways to use him the same way he found ways to use Taysom Hill, he can show that his shoulder is still working, gradually build his workload up, become more of a, closer to a, a full, full-time full starter for one year, and then get back to the free agent market again next year after proving his health, he'll get a huge contract. And a couple of quarterbacks in this a very very year in his last off season like Nick Foles had to prove himself he was once available for free and no one wanted him Teddy Bridgewater was on the Saints in this exact schedule that I'm talking about last year so there's ways to come back you just have to prove that you're healthy and you can do it
0: yeah Ryan Tannehill almost exactly the same as well um, yeah. okay so winners and losers let's go through some of this uh, the Bears are going to come up in this and we're probably I presume we're talking about Nick Foles and um, the Lions are going to come up in this as well so we talk about Darius Slay there uh, Ronan who have you got for us who's your biggest winner of the week
2: I think the Arizona Cardinals, who this time last year, I think, was looking very much like a project and uh, with recent acquisitions and the quarterback, Kyler Murray, playing lights out last year and your boy next door, Coach Cliff Kingsbury, who was kind of dismissed given his record in college, wasn't overzealous. But, you know, he impressed last year. He had some quirky things uh, play-wise, and I think they they look formidable. I'm not sure about this very season, but going forward, I think it's more of a win-now situation than it would have been or would have been for fans maybe 12 months ago.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't see anybody disagreeing with this. I think they've had a really good off. Like when you get DeAndre Hopkins for so cheap, then it's always a great off season. And um, they were they played brilliantly in the two games against the 49ers last year. Like should have won both those games. And um, and really you can see them putting it up to them and to the Seahawks and having won over on the LA Rams. Uh, so they've actually they've gone from being one of the worst teams in football to being a really good competitive team who are going to win between 7 and 11 games next season. It's a pretty exciting team, Keith.
1: Yeah, they've got that foundation on offense with De'Andre Hopkins added on and actually getting rid of David Johnson's contract is a big benefit for them because he was being overpaid. But they've got that foundation on offense which allows them to concentrate their efforts in the draft in specific areas so they can look for offensive linemen, they can look for impact defensive players to sprinkle in onto the base that they've got. Defensively, they've made a couple of nice moves as well. Jordan Phillips coming in at defensive tackle. You put him next to uh, is it Chris Gunter? Or Gunter, whichever his first name is, Gunter. There, they've got a, a lot of talent on the defensive side. It's a little bit overlooked. It's not uh, being celebrated. It's not superstar players, but it's a foundation. So if you add high draft picks to it, you suddenly take a big step forward. I really like what they've done, and I, I kind of run and, run and stole my first one there because I would have gone with Arizona as well. I, I have a second one I'm going to steal off Ronan because I'm going to go to Baltimore. Because they have done a similar thing this year, taking that trade with Calais Campbell. Phenomenal work. But adding Michael Brockers and addressing that defensive front is doing the same thing for them that they did, that, that Arizona have done, where you've got your foundation in place, you've got everything set up, and now you can kind of pick and choose the specifics to address in the draft and maximize your talent and maximize the impact. So that's an NFC team and an AFC team, and two teams going very far in the right direction, neither of whom has signed a big-name player well. I guess they've traded for one, but neither of whom have uh, invested huge equity in free agency, at least. So it's, the big deals this year haven't really been the ones to celebrate.
2: Yeah, I wonder how much the Ravens were spooked by um, Derrick Henry in that playoff game because they've just beefed up that line just because they know they're going to club get against Derrick Henry at some stage in this season. So I think it might just be down to that very game because obviously they were they were flying throughout the regular season and didn't come up against much opposition. It was just that very specific offense they weren't quite able to thwart and i think that's very much what they're looking at
0: with that with those moves so you're happy enough as a ravens fan
2: yeah i think as keen said it's it's small tweaks like this is just a it's such a huge system i know the the coordinators have been paid as well so this is this is it for the long haul we're very much bought into the lamar jackson way so i think it is all about tweaks trying to this is such a throwback to almost they're basically reinventing the game in many ways so it's all about tweaks at this point. There's no, not going to be any more wholesale changes, you wouldn't have
0: thought. So just to remind uh, anybody in case we uh, cut this differently, my uh, big winner is Bill Belichick. He gets the opportunity to prove that it was actually his mind that won the six rings as opposed to uh, Tom Brady himself. Um, I, I think it's going to be very exciting to see exactly what he comes up with and who ends up at quarterback for him uh, for this year. And this is exactly, ultimately, what he wanted was the freedom to uh, to get of the glory because whatever drives him and drives him whatever his motivation is it clearly isn't money it's like uh it's being um the most cutthroat winner in the history of world sport and uh, the pathway the the entire way is clear from now to to get all the credit for that and for us to know that it was him and his genius that did it um, you wanted to mention the, the panthers as a winner and this is is teddy bridgewater that good or is it the rest of the business that they've done Kean, that made you think okay yeah actually this is good for them
1: Teddy Bridgewater is that good, and he's also a rare commodity as a young, value-free agent. Those don't exist normally. The only reason he's there is because of that devastating knee injury that nearly ended his career, nearly led to amputation of his left leg. So he he has the ability to turn that franchise around. He has value. He's not going to cost him anything if he fails. So that's a perfect signing. But they also got Stephen Weatherly, who is a really talented defensive end Who he played as a backup for the Vikings, moved into a starting role, and Everson Griffin was, was missing. He played, became a rotational player. He really interests me a lot. But they have traded away Trey Turner. They've lost Luke Kuki. They're going to lose Cam. So they're really embracing the rebuild. So I'm kind of praising a team without praising them for acquiring high-name players or uh, making, making big moves. But I think they're doing this rebuild in the right way, whereas I would point to the Cleveland Browns who continue to make bad decisions, and the Miami Dolphins as teams who, tried to rebuild and got distracted and got too attracted to the safety and security of getting close to an eight and eight team, becoming getting close to nine and seven, seven and nine, whatever, middle tier. What you want to do as a team rebuilding is get all the way down so you can go all the way back up. And that looks like what the Panthers are getting close to doing.
0: Yeah, uh, 49ers obviously did that. And uh, it's a long, hard slog to be a fan of that team. And let me tell you, if uh, if you like what you're seeing here and hearing right now in the snap, be part of our OTB American Football Hub, where you'll get updates on all things Gridiron, including the Snap podcast, latest news and reports from the Irish American Football League. When it restarts, you can head over to offtheball.com forward slash gridiron, American football and off the ball is brought to you by the Erlingas College Classic between Notre Dame and Navy. Go to collegefootballireland.com to sign up for the very latest dates and uh, our very latest news. The biggest losers of the week, um, Chicago have signed a backup QB in Nick Foles, which essentially means they're going to have a backup replacement quality QB playing for them for at least the next 12 months because they don't have... If you've got two QBs, you've got none, was the old adage. And they've got two QBs and they've got none.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he's been signed to be a backup. I think he's taking Mr. Trubisky's job. I, like, I also don't think he should. I think it's an insane decision because Nick Foles... All right, so we have to come back to Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And the argument from there is, oh, you can win with Nick Foles. If you build the right team, you will win with Nick Foles. OK, so let's look at that Eagles team. Uh, probably the best offensive line this decade has seen, even with Jason Peters getting injured during that Super Bowl run, Alapudi Vita, he stepped in, and he was effective enough that the rest of the offensive line could carry him and was dominant. That was so easy to play quarterback there, because no one had any pressure on him. He always had loads of space and time as much as he wanted. Alshon Jeffrey, great that year. Zach Ertz, great that year. The at-offense as a whole was great. The defense was really good too, even though the Super Bowl was kind of a game that went against all expectations because no one played any defense except for Brandon Graham getting one sack at the end that ultimately decided the game. So you have that one individual Super Bowl performance and that's it. Everything else, even that playoff run, he did not play well in that playoff run where he was—he uh, he threw the Falcons game away, threw the ball straight to a safety, who punched it to a, a receiver who actually caught it in a random field for an extra 20 yards. That's the kind of luck you were dealing with. So... You're putting everything in on the idea that you can build a team like the Eagles. The, Jack- the Bears will say, hey, a year ago or two years ago, we had a defense capable of being, being the best in the league. That defense has lost a couple of pieces. They just paid for Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn's a good defensive end. If they make him stand up, he's not, not as effective. They also massively overpaid him, and they let Leonard Floyd go to, get, to to bring him in. They haven't necessarily made a huge jump there. Robert Quinn is an aging pass rusher, sure, a good player still, but not a great player who's going to make a massive impact. Then offensively, you've got a, an offensive line that is nowhere near the quality of the Eagles group, and you've got a receiving core that probably isn't as good as that Eagles group either. So you're going through all of this team and you're saying, can we drop Folds in here and compete and be a playoff team or be a Super Bowl team? No, you can't. Folds beat the Bears and beat Trubisky and Matt Nagy two years ago, and he was last with the Eagles. And the Jaguars fell into this trap that the Rams previously fell into and that the Eagles wound up back with him as a backup but it actually worked out but all the teams that have signed him as a starter and bought into this idea that they can build a team around him have all failed because they're not evaluating the actual quarterback they're evaluating the team as a whole and they're misrepresenting that so this is a disaster waiting to happen and the Bears as a whole are just a disaster
0: as
2: a franchise at the moment
0: All right, fair enough Uh, Have you got any losers for us, Ronan? Uh,
2: Just off the back of what you were saying about Cam Newton and his injury and not being able to get a chance I think there's obviously more or wholly more uh, consequential upshots of the coronavirus but one thing is that Players won't be able to go to individual teams to, t- to try out and show their health reports. And Tua Tungavailoa is right up there in that regard where we talked about the health reports coming through and they were positive and he's where he needs to be coming up to draft time. But the caveat we had put in place was that teams are going to want to test this guy, put him through the motions and see see where he's at. And they won't be able to do that. People who, whoever picks him in this draft is going to be picking him pretty blind. And I think it's going to hurt his draft capital or his draft uh, stature rather. And I think he's probably a bit of a loser from the last week or so.
0: All right, Um, we have Miami down here as well. What did you want to talk about, Miami?
1: (laughs) The term I've used—I need a better term than this. Someone might be a good journalist, supposed to me. Uh, Non-needle movers is what they specialize in signing so far. Jack Lawson, as a defensive end, is just a guy, and they've kind of mirrored those. Eric Flowers getting ten million dollars to play any position is insanity. He was an effective and okay guard for Washington last year. He failed dramatically as a tackle. It's, it's, you look at every single signing they make and you think that's bad value or that's not going to have a big impact. The Byron Jones signing is the big selling one. Byron Jones is uh, an older cornerback because he's off his rookie deal. That's the way that works, unfortunately, these days. He's played safety. He's played cornerback. He's been an above-average, effective cornerback, but he's not the $20 million Darrell Reeves type of cornerback that they paid him to be. So Matt Patricia has a lot of um, equity built up with the fan base there. They love him. They adore him. Expectations are going to rise a little bit now in the second year. And I don't think they've signed the quality of player to actually raise the quality of the team. So there's big questions there. In my, in, I think they're rushing to be a 5-11, and 6-10 with no ceiling, no ability to get past and break through the middle tier of the league, which is not what you tanked for, especially with Tua's situation. That might help them draft him but the uncertainty surrounding what he's going to be. And I agree with Roland, he's a bigger risk now because they can't get the medical checks. But I also think he's a big risk because of the way he plays and the style he plays. The offense he played in Alabama was very, very easy, which is not what it's going to be in the NFL.
0: My my losers, and it's pretty easy, one of the uh, Detroit Lions. This feels like um, punching down a little bit. Um, Darius Slay gets traded from... The Lions to the Eagles for uh, you know not two first round picks. By the way, this is this is how you do a little bit of business here. A little tip for the LA Rams is like uh, the third and the fifth. How does that sound? Yeah, okay, we'll take that. Um, uh, On his way out, he's um, he's ripping on Matt Patricia, and the trouble is that it seems to me like Matt Patricia has taken on board all of the worst parts of the Bill Belichick personality without the track record of success to give him the credibility to do it. So he told Slay he's not an elite player after Slay had been off at a a training camp with a bunch of elite um, cornerbacks. And Slay, in fairness, did actually then prove him wrong over the next two years by becoming a pro bowler, but was so pissed off at the way that Patricia talked down to him that on the way out, he's still angry about the fact that it actually worked. He doesn't even see that, like, this guy, he's such an asshole, basically, that even though his motivational stuff worked, Slay is like, no, I'm not, I'm just, I'm refusing to uh, make friends with you. There,
1: there's a clip of Matt Patricia where he goes after a journalist for, it's either the way he's sitting or the way he's dressed. And Matt Patricia is doing so with a big, unkept beard, uh, I think a pencil behind his ear, and like a bandana on his head or whatever it is he's wearing, like, a backwards cap. And he just goes after the guy for no reason. And you can see straight away that there's no charisma in it. There's no uh, empathy in it. There's no ability to connect with people. And it's proving to be the case. And now he's signing a bunch of expatriates to try and build the Patriots of 2012 for some reason.
0: Yeah, so I don't think, you know... Look, it would be great for the poor Lions to be good, but um, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, I, I'm a little bit surprised. Maybe Matt Stafford is available for trade. Maybe he's the quarterback who ends up at the Patriots.
1: Yeah, that's just Jameis Winston in a different package though. So that's going to be, I, I, maybe maybe that works, maybe Belichick finds a way and yeah, it's a realistic opportunity and it would make sense. I think it would have happened by now if it was going to happen because there's no uh, deadline, there's no timeline, there's no rush for the Patriots. They would have done this already by now. But outside of it, I, I, the, the reality of the Patriots is you can come up with any semi-realistic, semi-feasible uh, trade and at quarterback and it, you can't really deny it because there are so few options like, if you talked about Mitch Trubisky being the next guy, I'd be like, yeah, that might make sense. It might make, take a mid-round pick on him and make an offence work with him, and that's very possible to do. But it's just, there's no, like... And with this franchise, there's so few leaks, we can't even get hints of what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, at least there's uh, plenty for us to speculate about. I also wanted to mention the Rams as, as losers here, and it's not... Well, it, it's essentially the Todd Gurley contract. that we They must have known that his knee was bad, and um, they still decided to sign into this giant deal, and now they've got some... Um, dead money. It's actually not as punitive as it might have been in, in many ways, but it's him and it's Brandon Cooks. Cooks is apparently available for trade, but nobody wants him because of his multiple concussions. They were supposed to be the stars of this offence, which was high powered, was going to bring the crowds to the new stadium. It was going to be a, a proper Hollywood setup with the young, very impressive, uh, hyper aggressive coach, and Gurley at 25 is supposed to be cresting to this point where he is an absolute superstar. Again, selling those tickets to the, the people of Hollywood and California and it just hasn't happened. Um, I, that, it feels to me a little bit like that team has gone off the rails, despite the fact they still have a very good defense. But I just I don't feel like all of the hype well, around McFay was correct.
1: Well, we're not sure if they're going to have a very good defense because their problem here is they've lost Dante Fowler, they've lost um, the linebacker Corey Littleton, They've lost. Uh, they've lost. Their, their, as you talked about Cooks, but they've lost all these pieces, and they've, they've traded pieces for Fowler and for Ramsey. So they don't have draft picks to replace these guys. They're not getting any value out of the contracts they've given. Everyone praised them when they were massively aggressive previously, and it's always easy to praise you when you're doing the aggressive side. It's never. It, it's always easy to, to praise the, the team who takes the high potential injury risk player in the draft because we don't talk about the injury risk or the potential character problems or whatever it is. It's because that happens at the time. It's later on it comes back in R2 and the Rams are being hurt now. This off-season has been really bad for them. They've paid huge money to Jared Goff and they've paid huge money to Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is great, but he can't impact the game enough because he's a defensive player and Jared Goff is nowhere near good enough. They've also lost Michael Brockers to the Ravens. So they're just losing pieces left, right and centre and they're just not going to have enough talent to compete next year, I don't think.
0: It sounds like they might be going to get uh, Melvin Gordon. Have you anything to say about the the um, Rams running?
2: just mad to think that they haven't had a first round pick since they picked Jared Goff that time and he was supposed to be a keystone piece to build a franchise around. Certainly hasn't proved to be that in fact John McVay had to come in and save his job basically so like, they're, they're in dire straits and we talked about the Chargers being in disarray coming into this uh, big move in Los Angeles but the Rams are, are right there with them aren't they?
0: All right. Anybody else? Anything that they want to talk about before we wrap this up? We didn't. We didn't rain on the uh, the Giants. We didn't talk about the Redskins. It turns out those teams were winners and losers, and we didn't even talk about um, the uh, the Super Bowl teams either. But we've got plenty. We've got a long, hot summer ahead of us. We're not very much yeah, talking yeah, about no. so. all,
1: all we've got is NFL transactions now, so we've got to focus on them.
0: Yeah. Right, folks, I hope uh, everybody's had a little bit of distraction from what's going on in the real world uh, on the SNAP this week. A reminder that you can be part of our OCB American Football Hub where you'll get updates on all things Gridiron, including the SNAP podcast and the latest news and reports from the Irish American Football League. Head over to offtheball.com forward slash gridiron for that one. And um, it's a great little thing, just uh, for free. Nestle's in your inbox and you can click it and uh, find out. What's going on in the world of Gridiron? We'll um, see you next week for more from the Snap. My thanks to uh, Keen and to Ronan for being part of the show this week. Go easy.